March Madness is in full swing and the action hasn't disappointed. We got the final four this upcoming week and the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of action. Bet $1 on any tournament game and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team is winning their next game. There's no better way to put your basketball, college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with the DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings is secure, safe, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choice pulls off the win. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 and older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, we're back with another episode of the Basketball Podcast, the number one basketball history podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network, and we're number one because we are the only one. Jeremy Brenner here, and we are continuing Derrick Rose Week on the Basketball Podcast with David Schuster, Mark Schnowski of the Sharpshooters Podcast, also a proud member of the Basketball of the Basketball Podcast Network. Gentlemen, thank you for sticking around with me, and we're gonna. Pick up right where we left off in our previous episode. Go check that out on your podcast app of choice. If you haven't already listened to this one, it will definitely set the table for you for this one. So when we left off yesterday, we were talking about a little bit about Derrick Rose and how how he's going to be remembered in his career. But we're at 2010 now, and it's the big free agency you know, slam throughout the league They go and they get Carlos Boozer, which definitely helps. Tom Thibodeau becomes the head coach, and you're starting to see the Bulls in a different light here. And they take the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. What changed that year for the Bulls? It can't just have been Carlos Boozer changing them from a 500 (laughs) team to a 62-win team. What was special about that 2010-11 year that really changed things for the Bulls? I mean, obviously, Derek just kept getting better and better. I'm 22 years old, as we mentioned previously, the youngest MVP in league history. He averaged 25 points, eight eight assists, I think it was, or give or take. I mean, Tom Thibodeau also, uh, if we say Derek Rose was was the star, I mean, I hate to say it, but Tom Thibodeau as a coach was the co-star. I mean, he just, I mean, he was just one of those kind of coaches that just pumped them all up. And, you know, he probably beat him too hard down also, to be honest with you. But, I mean, he he just brought a winning attitude uh, to, to that team. And, and they just got better and better as the season went on. They coasted the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. And then ultimately they ran into um, – they ran into uh, uh, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau did a great job of galvanizing that team. He helped Luol Deng and Joakim Noah develop into all-star performers when no one really knew what their ceiling were when uh, Vinny Del Negro had his two 500 seasons as head coach. 
But, you know, we talked in the last episode about the fact that the Bulls came up short in free agency with LeBron joining forces with Dwayne Wade and then Chris Bosh as well coming to Miami. And so the Bulls had a ton of cap space. They did sign Carlos Boozer, but they used the rest of the money to fill in the bench. And it became known as the bench mod in Chicago with uh, C.J. Watson and Ronnie Brewer and Kyle Korver and Omar Ashik and Taj Gibson, who had been drafted previously. So that group really helped them. Uh, stay strong for 48 minutes and really changed the momentum in a lot of games. And uh, the Eastern Conference Finals in that year, they squared off against the Heat and they ran them out of the United Center in game one. They just destroyed them in the first game after they had beaten Miami all four times in the regular season. And everyone thought, hey, the Bulls are going to the finals. They got a chance to win a championship in Thibodeau's first year. But they lost a couple of close games uh, coming up after that, and then it wound up losing four straight and getting knocked out. And, of course, they never got back to the conference finals again. So that, I guess, was the closest the Bulls have been since they have since they were a perennial contender back in the 90s. But was this more of a sense that, you know, the Bulls are young, they just aren't as experienced as this more established Heat team that is built up of all of these people who – just so happen to be in their prime and the bulls just have to kind of wait their turn. Or was this kind of a, you know, Oh my goodness. We, they just all signed four year contracts. Like we're going to be the little stepbrother for the next couple of years. Well, I mean, if, if you know the history of the NBA and, and we talked about this in the previous episode also, sometimes it takes a while to get over the hump against a certain team. And even though, They did lose those four last games and lost the series in five to Miami. You had the feeling as a Bulls fan, okay, well, we've seen this story before also. It took the Bulls, like I said, three tries to get over the hump against the Mm -hmm. Pistons. Maybe it'll take the Bulls another hump or two to get over against the Miami Heat. And so, yeah, you had the feeling. I mean, the Bulls, they won 62 games that regular season. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and even though they lost to a very talented Miami team, and and I think what what what, what clinched that uh, series against Miami, they took Derrick Rose out of some of those last games. I mean, um, especially in the fourth quarter, LeBron James said, he's not going to score. He's not going to beat us. And when you have LeBron James, and he was even more in his prime back then athletically, at 6'9", guarding Derrick Rose. Derrick had a hard time doing what he normally does against smaller uh, defenders. And so that was, you know, one thing that the Bulls were not able to overcome. But you still had the feeling that, you know, maybe in a subsequent season or two that the Bulls were still going to be an NBA champion. Yeah, as I mentioned, the Bulls had won all four regular season games against Miami in in that uh, 2010-2011 season. So, they weren't afraid to go back against the Heat. The feeling was that Derrick Rose, the youngest league MVP at 22, was only going to keep getting better. He was going to find ways to counteract what Miami was throwing at him. And they were hoping to go out. They had some cap room. They were hoping to go out and get a, a shooting guard to supplement what they already had in place. And unfortunately, they kind of boxed that. They brought in an over-the-hill Rip Hamilton who did nothing for them. Um, so that, that was a roster move that didn't work out well at all. But then, of course... 2012 was the lockout shortened season, and, and Derek just was seemed to be hurt. A bunch of nagging little injuries. He missed a ton of games that year, and he was finally feeling like he was getting closer to his, his normal form when they entered the playoffs. They ran Philadelphia out of the gym the, the first game at the United Center, and then the talk there was he was one assist shy of a triple-double, so maybe they left him in a little longer than they needed to, and he and he suffered the ACL injury, which, which changed the course then- of his career. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's the climax right here. That this is the climax of the story, essentially. Is yeah, Derek Rose missed 27 games in in 2012. And then but none of them were as important as this one. You know, the Bulls were a 50-win team in a lockout shortened season. So they were 50 yeah. and 16. That they were better than Miami, better than you know, any every team in the East. It was it was the Bulls that were on top of the on top of the heap. And you see Derrick Rose go down. What is your first thought? You're like, what What do you think at that point? What is going through your head? Well, the season's over. That's for starters. Um, but even more than that, Jeremy, to be honest with you, I mean, this, this feels like it happened yesterday. It's still so fresh in my mind, and I'm sure it is in Mark's as well. And it was one of the all-time um, sports topics on sports radio and, and all other avenues. Doug Collins had pulled his pulled his um, starters off the court before. I mean, I think he left the game with about a minute and 22 seconds to go. The Bulls were up by 12 points. What the blank is Derrick Rose still in the game? And I didn't need to be second-guessing. I was first-guessing. And, and his injury happened probably about 50 feet from where I was sitting at courtside. And, you, you know, you just uh, – following up on what Mark said – the man, meaning Derrick Rose, had five injuries during the regular season. He, he hurt his wrist. Yeah. He hurt his hamstring. He hurt his hip. I, I can't even remember what else he hurt that season. You do not leave a franchise player in a game that is already being conceded by the opposing coach who waved the white flag by pulling all his players off the court previous to that, and yet you still have your franchise player on the court. It was one of the, you know, even though I'm a fan of Tom Thibodeau's in a lot of ways, it was the dumbest thing. And I'll argue with anybody that he should never have been in that game at that point. Well, I was hosting the uh, postgame show on the regional sports network here in Chicago. And even though the Bulls won the game, of course, to take a one nothing series lead, oh, the answer on the set was funereal. Uh, Kendall Gill is one of my analysts, and he said that I could just tell by what happened that that's an ACL injury and he's going to have a long road to try to get back. And at that point, you, you didn't know if guys could come all the way back from an ACL injury. You know, there, there have been, there have been some success stories and, but most of them have been guys aren't quite the same. And, you know, we were thinking at that point that the bulls had an excellent chance to win the championship that season. Now that all went out the window, Philadelphia was an eight seed. And then later in that series, Joakim Noah suffered a serious ankle injury and the Bulls wind up losing in the first round of Philadelphia. But it really didn't matter. They weren't going anywhere of substance that year, and, and everyone was just thinking about when could Derek come back. People were speculating, well, maybe he'll come back uh, by the All-Star break of the following season, and that turned out to be a big controversy, as, uh, as we'll, we'll talk about. Yeah, so that I, – I just – I could – you knew that that was it for the Bulls. And it just – it was so unfortunate to see that. And, you know, I think also with the ACL, you know, obviously, look, in 2021, you know, this is now nine years after the injury. He's still in the league. But Derek, what made Derrick Rose so special, I think we, we kind of alluded to in, in the previous episode, is his explosiveness. And that had definitely – taken a step back after his ACL injury. And 
it he's a different player after that. He's he's totally a different player. Anyone that says that he's the same player is is you know yes he has flashes like that like we mentioned you know the fifty point game with Minnesota in twenty seventeen eighteen but that's a flash in the pan. That's not like Derrick Rose was bringing that on a nightly basis and now he's been limited because of this ACL injury. It's one of the coolest injuries I think that I've seen because not only did it change the course of Derrick Rose's career, it changed the course of the Bulls franchise as well. Yeah, and it was an, unfortunately a running topic for the rest of Derrick Rose's stay in Chicago. And and as Mark told you earlier, yeah, and he is as well, we're both very close with John Paxson. And Pax could never overcome that injury. Um, he didn't really want to use it as an excuse, but at times he did use it as, as an excuse, and rightfully so. I mean, when your franchise player goes down and you were building around him to hopefully win a title and he goes down and is never the same player again, it, it just put that franchise in reverse. Um, to Derek's credit, though, again, Though he's not the high flyer and he doesn't play over the rim, he still had some very productive seasons, you know, at the end with the Bulls and then a little bit with Minnesota and even with New York. And he's made the rounds. I mean, he he was in Cleveland for a short time. I think he was on Utah's roster, even though he never played a game for them, if I'm uh, not uh, mistaken. He was in a trade, yeah. Yeah, so – um but to Derek's credit, you know, he worked really, really hard to come back from those injuries. A lot of people were upset that he didn't come back as quick as they had wanted him to. But I understood after talking to a lot of people over time, and, and Mark will probably back this up as well, whether, whether it was Derek's um, family or whether it was Derek's representation, they were nervous about him getting re-injured. And specifically with Tom Thibodeau, they were nervous about, you know, because Tom Thibodeau has had this history then and even still now of running players into the ground. And with the injuries uh, that Derek had to uh, to throw him back on the court and have Thibodeau potentially run him into the ground again, that, w- that was just a risk that they weren't willing to take at least right away. So that's why Derek Rose, for so many other reasons, did not come back as quick as many people had wanted him to. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the Bulls organization did Derek a disservice because there was a lot of speculation in the media that I mentioned that he probably should be able to return by the All-Star break of the following season, which would have been about nine months since he suffered the uh, the injury, which would have been in April of 2012. And Derek never said too much. I think he did a news conference uh, on media day, and then we didn't hear from him for a long time. And so everyone, it was kind of like a snowball rolling downhill that people have thought, well, Derek's coming back at the All-Star break, and then the Bulls can make this late-season push. And he just uh, vaguely would say, you know, my body doesn't feel right. I'm not ready to come back. And the Bulls organization never really made that definitive statement that all we care about is Derek Rose's future. We don't care if he comes back this year or not. They did let uh, the media know that he had been cleared by their medical team, and that put the onus on Derek to try to get back on the court. As it turned out, he never did play in the 2012-13 season. Mm -hmm. He comes back in 13-14, and 10 games into his return, he suffers the uh, MCL tear on his other knee, his good knee, his right knee, and then the Bulls there immediately put out a statement the next day saying, Derek Rose is going to have surgery to repair that instead of just trying to clip off the affected area, and he is out for the season. So the Bulls learned from their past mistake, but unfortunately, you had a 
a player in his mid twenties left with devastating injuries to both of his knees. Yeah, it's just it it just one thing after another. It's like almost a snowball effect at this point. It's you know you, you got the small the small little injuries that piled up in 2012. Then he gets the big one, the the big ACL, and then it turns into the MCL, the meniscus, all of that. And now it's just he's going downhill at this point. But I will say that when he did come back in in Chicago, it, there was a sense of redemption there especially in the 2015 playoffs when he played when the bulls were i want to say the bulls were were they a three seed that year or something like that they were playing against the Cavs in the second round it was the they were in the second round and it was i think it was game three the bulls had the ball time winding down derrick rose has the ball in his hands Shot goes up, bank off the off the glass, and that was to me really special. Just even not even as a Bulls fan, but a, a, it, did it resemble somewhat of a like Derrick Rose is back? And not only that, the Bulls take a lead in that series against LeBron, a very common familiar foe. And this year feels a little bit different because he's not with Miami anymore. They're in the second round with a lead in the playoffs. How important was that moment for Derrick Rose and for Bulls fans? Oh, it's certainly important for Derrick Rose. I mean, he, he never really lacked confidence, but I, I would imagine inwardly with all those injuries, it probably at least diminished at least a little bit. But, you know, one thing that Derrick Rose has always also been noted for, and our good friend Stacy King, I think, termed him, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, Windy City Assassin. So right. he had that he had that capability of coming up end of games. I mean, you know, during his I don't want to call it his heyday, but it was one of his MVP season. I mean, he won a lot of games with last second shots. I remember one game against Milwaukee specifically, and then he's thumping his chest like this, you know, walking off the court. So yeah, it was a big thing for him. But unfortunately, LeBron James has been, you talk about in Chicago Cub Killers. LeBron James has been a Bulls killer his whole career. Maybe he's the Windy City assassin. Yeah, he, unfortunately he is. Um, and, and he's killed the Bulls on numerous occasions. And ultimately he killed them in that series as well. Yeah, Derek Banking in that shot to win game three of that series was a great moment. I always kind of chuckle with uh, banked in threes because that's the ultimate lucky shot. You miss it so badly that you're you know, that far along that you're able to bank it in. But no one cared at the United Center that evening as his teammates flooded on the court to lift Derrick Rose up. And it was a great moment for him in his comeback from, from the multiple knee injuries. But then the next game, LeBron hits a, shot, a corner shot to over Jimmy Butler to even the series. And, of course, Cleveland would go on to eliminate the Bulls. And that, and that changed the course of history where uh, Tom Thibodeau was out and they, they went into the great unknown. And then eventually uh, Derrick would wind up getting traded to the Knicks. So let's talk about the trade because at this point, Derrick Rose is, he's 20, he's in his mid twenties and there's, you know, obviously there's, he's not, he's healthier than he was, but I do think that there was a bit of a sense that it was now Jimmy Butler's team. And if I'm not mistaken, he was supposed to be a free agent soon. And what was that like? What was that period of Bulls basketball like when when you kind of realized that the writing was on the wall and that the Derrick Rose Bulls relationship was coming to an end? 
I think John Paxson finally in his own head said, you know, the time has come where we have to move on. I mean, I, I, I would imagine that John Paxson had many, many sleepless nights with all Derrick Rose's injuries and everything that went into that saga, if you will. Um, and he just finally came to the conclusion it was time to move on. And, you know, they knew that he was never going to be the Derrick Rose, even though he was still productive, as you mentioned, in that series um, against both Milwaukee and then Cleveland before they were eliminated. But he was never going to be the Derrick Rose that he was from the MVP year previous, you know, a couple of years before that. So and 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 Jimmy Butler was um, becoming a player into his own. And so they just made the calculated decision that it was time to move on, not only from a player standpoint, but maybe from a soap opera standpoint as well. Yeah, that was a strange time. As I mentioned uh, in our last episode, uh, they tried to recruit Carmelo Anthony in 2014, thinking that he could take some of the scoring burden off of Derrick Rose and make the mm -hmm. Bulls a more well-rounded team and give them a chance to compete against uh, LeBron and, and the Heat and then eventually the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference. But um, you know, that did work out. They ended up signing Powell Gasol instead. And Powell had two really good years in Chicago. He, uh, he made the all-star team both years. And there almost was a little bit of a click where it was Derek and Joakim Noah on one side. It was Jimmy Butler and Powell Gasol on the other. And there was a little bit of sniping back and forth. There wasn't really what you would call uh, locker room harmony. And it, it was clear after they got eliminated by Cleveland in that playoff series that something had to give. And Thibodeau was the first piece to go. And then uh, Fred Hoiberg comes in and, and, and tries to make it work with, uh, with Derrick Rose, who was not at the height of his powers. And, it, you know, things just didn't work out. And the trade to New York, even though we kind of anticipated something could happen, it still was a shock. I remember I was on the air. We, we did like a 90-minute show, and, and people were just couldn't believe that uh, Chicago's favorite son was being traded to the Knicks, who at one time were the Bulls' biggest rival. So it was a strange chapter. And then Derek went to New York. He didn't really fit in well there. He had the famous uh, uh, incident where he left the team for a day, and, and people were wondering what was going on and what was going on in his head. Was he thinking about retiring? And his career kind of spiraled downwards. And it was, mm -hmm. wasn't until he got back with Tom Thibodeau, ironically enough, in Minnesota, where he finally accepted the fact that he had to come off the bench. He had to play limited minutes. He could not be the spectacular highlight player he used to be. And that got him in this current chapter where he is a productive bench player and is being you know, welcomed by a, a number of organizations. Right now, of course, he's back with Tibbs in New York. And isn't it interesting, guys, that, you know, even though I went out of my way to say that I think Tom Thibodeau did him wrong by keeping him in that game, that Derrick Rose, you know, when the injury occurred the first time around against Philadelphia in the postseason, but Derrick Rose on four different occasions now has signed on to be with Tom Thibodeau twice yeah. in New York, once in Minnesota, and, you know, originally with the Bulls. So, you know, the, the two of them have a, a, a relationship that I can't totally identify with, but it's obviously a strong one. And so looking back on everything that we've talked about from last episode to this episode, Derek Rose and his legacy in Chicago is obviously a great one. It's n it may not be on the same level as Michael Jordan, but if you if you add on the fact that coming into coming into growing up in Chicago at Simeon high school and being the youngest MVP, the, the first real 
true face of the franchise post Michael Jordan, kind of taking that, I guess, exterior that, you know, you couldn't, you know, mess with the, like you could still be good with the bulls. And there isn't like this shadow. He kind of took that shadow and shoot it off to the side in a way. What, how, in, if we look back in 20 years from now, 15, 20 years, where do we see Derrick Rose in his Bulls career or in Derrick Rose's career long-term? I'll, I like throwing a loaded question at my guests at the end. So I'm going to do it right now. Is Derrick Rose a hall of famer? Uh, he'd be the first guy to win an MVP award who doesn't go to the hall of fame. And unfortunately I don't think he's going to go to the hall of fame. I, I, if I had a vote, Mark, I don't know, Mark, what, what would you do? I think the Basketball Hall of Fame is the easiest of the major sports to get into. You know, it's kind of a unique setting where, it, you know, it's not different levels to the Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, they've got college stars, international stars, women stars. And to me, it seems like some of the guys that are get in there are, you know, maybe a little bit of dubious deserving of that honor. I think Derek has a shot. Ultimately, probably not. But if you... Talk about his Bulls legacy. If you're talking about a Bulls Mount Rushmore, where you've got the four heads on there, I think Derrick Rose would be one of them. If you know things can change and they will over time, but I think you know if you talk about a Bulls Mount Rushmore, it's probably Jordan, Pippen, Phil Jackson, and Derrick Rose. And and Jeremy, let me just add this. You know, if it wasn't part of the question, I think his legacy in Chicago will always be secure. And even after he left, when he came back with other franchises. The fan base at the games, at least, and I'm sure that was representative of, of the entire fan base, cheered Derrick Rose even when he was in an opposing uniform. And still when he went to the free throw line, much like he did in his MVP season in Chicago, they still screamed MVP, MVP. Mm-hmm. So there was still very warm feelings and maybe a, more of an understanding. You know, initially when he had the injury and he didn't come back right away, the fan base, at least on sports talk radio, very upset with him. But I think that, you know, that calmed down after a period of time. And not only is his legacy in Chicago secure from what he did as a Bulls player, but he was a neighborhood kind of guy. I mean, he came from the neighborhood of Inglewood in Chicago. He's a high school legend. He won two state championships. And, you know, Simeon High School has had some unbelievable players, and he's one of many that came from that institution. So mm-hmm. I think his legacy in Chicago is more than secure. And I think yeah. the fan base would love to see Derek come back for a final curtain call. You know, if, if mm-hmm. they get a chance to acquire him at the trade deadline, let's say on what might be his last year, I think there'd be a fitting end to his career that it'd be like a Dwayne Wade for a Bulls uniform. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully better, hopefully better than Dwayne Wade, because that didn't really pan out as well as they had hoped it would be. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so nobody's worn number one since Derek Rose has worn it. Is any bull going to wear number one again? If Jerry Reinsdorf is owning the team, I say it won't happen. And Jerry Reinsdorf, although very quiet about uh, his feelings, has very warm feelings towards Derek Rose. Even when Derek was with other teams, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf allowed Derrick Rose to always work out at the Advocate Center, which was closer to his home base when you know he was on other teams uh, living still here in Chicago. So Jerry Reinsdorf has a very warm spot for Derrick Rose. And, and I agree with Mark. Somewhere down the road, I think he will retire as a bull in some capacity, and maybe that number one goes up into the rafters. 
Yeah, a couple of guys tried to take number one when they were acquired by the Bulls. I know Michael Carter-Williams, for one, he was listed on the roster as number one, and he got all kinds of grief from the <laughs> fan base, and he quickly changed to number seven. You know, I think in a way, retiring your jersey is an, is somewhat of an honor in itself. It's like you're in the Hall of Fame of your team. And while Derrick Rose is going to have a bit of a struggle to get to that Hall of Fame, I do think that there is a jury still out. I don't know. I think everything that has been made in his final in his Hall of Fame case has already been done. I don't think that there's really much else he can do in his career that can help his case that much more. Maybe if he wins a championship or something like that. But even then, if he's going to win a championship, he's going to do it as probably a guy coming off the bench, not playing that much. So I think his his case has been written. And he's not going to get in the first time, maybe not the second time. It might, you know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder and maybe 20 years down the line, maybe we'll look at Derrick Rose and appreciate him a lot more than how he is currently. And, you know, but getting his number retired by the Bulls, I think that is a huge indicator, at least just to his legacy. And considering the fact, like, with Michael Carter-Williams is, you know, he was get that's how people feel about him in Chicago. And in a sense, I think that's what makes this story, the, this gives the story a little bit of beauty, beauty and grace, is he did this all in his city. And... That's what, and he, and he will always be known as a Chicagoan. He will be always known as a bull. Like, yes, he did all, he scored 50 points with the Wolves. And yes, he had some decent years in Detroit. And yes, he has a, you know, on again, off again, like Billy Martin and the Yankees with Tom Thibodeau. But he will always be remembered as Chicago's own. And I think that might be just as big of an honor as making it to the Hall of Fame. In a sense, and, and Jer- Jeremy, if I could just you know use Derek's own words, maybe as uh, you know a cap on this. Even when he went to New York, and let's face it, New York is always going to be a rival of Chicago in so many ways. I think even at his initial press conference, he said, "You know what? You can take me out of Chicago, but you can't take Chicago out of me." And like I said earlier, he he will always be a Chicagoan, and he'll always be. Um, loved by this city for all that he has done previous. Yeah, I, I think, think uh, great, if you want to yeah. t- take an analogy from another very popular Chicago sports star, Ron Santo was always only campaigning to get into baseball's Hall of Fame, and he never could quite get, get the amount of votes that he wanted. But on the day that they retired his number 10 at Wrigley Field, he said he pointed up to the flag and goes, "That this is my Hall of Fame. And, of course, Santo obviously got in after his death, unfortunately, <laughs> But I think with uh, with Derrick Rose, seeing the number one go up in the rafters at the United Center, that would probably top the Hall of Fame in his mind. I think that's a good place to park for now. But David, Mark, very thankful for the two of you coming on to the show this week. Feel free to drop anything that you've been working on with the Sharpshooters podcast and anything outside of that. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for the invite. Uh, I'd like to invite people to check out a podcast I work with called Gimme the Hot Sauce with uh, Bulls TV analyst Stacey King. You can find that on all the major podcast carriers. 
Yes, and you can also follow the Basketball Podcast on Twitter at Basketball. We are the number one basketball history podcast of the Basketball Podcast Network. You can go follow them on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsPodNet. We are sponsored by DraftKings, so be sure to use the promo code TBPN to register today. The Final Four is coming up this weekend. There's a lot of games to bet on, so feel free to go register with DraftKings and be sure to use the promo code TBPN. Guys, thank you so much for coming to basketball this week. Thank you to the listeners who tuned in this week. We are giving episodes every Tuesday and Wednesday, diving into some of basketball's greatest stories. So we'll have to find out next week to figure out what stories coming next. So be sure to tune in, subscribe, and download the podcast in your podcast app of choice. Thank you so much to everyone for this episode of the Passable Podcast. And until next time, rewind and be kind. <laughs>